people will say that you can address your labor shortage with uh, automation because then you won't need as many people. And uh, I had someone give an analogy, which I thought was very good. You know, if you bring a dishwasher into your kitchen, you still have to have someone rinse the dishes, put the dishes in the dishwasher, and then unload the dishwasher and put the dishes away. You know, automation can really help. Um, technology can really help, but will it really change the number of people we need? It will definitely change uh, the skills of the people. Absolutely. Welcome to the first 16 your podcast about innovations and innovators in the agricultural and food sector in Canada. I'm Kirk Finken. And I am Marie-France Gagnon. And today we're going to be talking about the labor shortage and innovative solutions to it. But before we get to these two innovators, Marie-France, let's get some context on the size of the issue. What are the numbers here? Well, the Canadian Agricultural Human Resource Council, or you know, aka CARC, gave us some numbers. Uh, just in primary agriculture, on the farms alone, their estimates show a shortage of 80,000 workers. And in food processing, where 300,000 people are employed, some employers were reporting an average of 20% shortage of workers. In that situation, some impacts are predictable in a labor shortage. You're gonna get some burnt out farmers and workers. But you're also going to get these lost profits, and those are opportunities that can't be fulfilled. So CARC estimates that the impact of vacancies going unfulfilled in just the primary side of food production is close to $3.5 billion a year across Canada. But let's be clear, the sector is still doing good. We're posting decent numbers in production and export. But the labor shortage is a significant issue and we cannot ignore it. Exactly. You know, like our country is not the only one experiencing this labor shortage in ag and food. Other countries are in hot competition for workers. And without solutions, we are definitely going to have some future problems. So we need some innovative solution for hiring and, most importantly, retaining workers. It's why we're speaking today with Jennifer Wright, who you heard at the top of the show. She's the executive director at CARC. Jennifer is working at the national level. She brought together all the big players of our sector in the past few years so that they could work as one to address the labor shortage. And in April of this year, with the help of all of those stakeholders, she tabled the resulting National Workforce Strategic Plan. It's a big undertaking, and it's a human resources strategy never before seen in our sector at that macro level. In addition to Jennifer, we'll be speaking with Stephanie Harris, Economic Development Officer in Altona, Rhineland, Manitoba. Stephanie Harris is working at a micro level. But what she is doing, it's not small. <laughs> no, no, it's not small at all. Um, no, she's leading a, an immigration pilot project in her rural community in southern Manitoba. And... It's a project that has a lot of the tactics that are proposed in the national strategy. So it's like a really great little case study on how the larger strategy will work. And together, Jennifer and Stephanie are going to share some great insights into how they are hiring smart and how the help or sector do the same. Jennifer, the labor shortage is not something new. We have heard about it for a while. 
Why is the labor issue so tricky to resolve? Well, it's pretty complex. There are a number of factors that are impacting Uh, the labor supply, not only for the industry, but I think Canada. Um, certainly, agriculture is mostly in rural areas, and we're seeing rural populations decline. Certainly, a labor supply issue. We're seeing a labor, you know, with the aging workforce um, across Canada. Every industry is facing this with the aging workforce retiring. And you've been working on a national strategic plan. Can you give us a quick summary of that? So the National Workforce Strategic Plan is really a way to bring all of industry together uh, to collaborate and uh, and work together to address this labor shortage crisis that's impacting the uh, entire value chain. You know, we need to ensure that we have good rural infrastructure in place, that there's affordable housing, there's day access to daycare, there's access to transportation. Um, that will help attract and retain people to live in the areas. And then also, you know, looking at things like the impact of technology and automation, digitalization, the skills that we need, the perceptions of the industry um, by those not working in it, ensuring that there's really strong and, and good HR best practices in the industry to help on that retention side as well. You mentioned a lot of different sides of this issue and the plan. I understand there are five pillars to the strategy. Can you tell us a bit more about those five pillars? Um, so the pillars are the skills development, the perceptions of the industry, the impact of digitalization, automation, and technology, not only on the skills, but on how the work is done across the industry, the uh, workplace culture. So again, those great HR best practices, having those in place, and then also um, foreign workers and immigration Those are the five pillars. And then there's some themes around that, that folks putting this together felt that we needed to consider in each of the pillars. Things like data, making sure we have good data to measure where we're going, profitability and competitiveness. Certainly the Canadian agriculture and food industry is very competitive around the, the world, but we're not the only country facing this labor shortage in this industry. So how do we ensure we do this work and maintain uh, our place and continue to be very globally competitive? making sure that we're developing uh, these approaches in a way that's very inclusive um, so that, uh, you know, it is uh, an industry for all. And then also making sure that as we do this, that we're um, engaging with Indigenous agriculture producers and stakeholders and looking at Indigenous reconciliation as well. So who are your partners in this new labor strategy? The Canadian Federation of Agriculture and Food and Beverage Canada were very pleased that those two organizations as national organizations for each primary egg and uh, food and beverage manufacturing have really uh, bought in and taken the lead. Um, we also have uh, funding for this first part of our work from Future Skills uh, Centre. We have uh, commodity groups, uh, industry associations, employers, uh, educators, government uh, that we've been working quite closely with as well. Teamwork makes the dream work. So can you tell us what are you doing in that strategy that has never been tried before? Sure. So it is uh, the way that we've approached this is the way that you would approach a strategic plan in any organization. So we've set our vision, goals, objectives, and we've also set actions with KPIs. So I would say that that as an industry has not been tried before, um, especially on a national level. 
Each pillar has a working group that is has representation from primary production and food and beverage manufacturing. They've been working as a, as groups uh, to drill down in their specific area. This approach has been to really engage a large number of stakeholders in an organized manner because they're by working group and by theme. What are you most excited about in this new strategy? I am most excited that this seems to be what industry was looking for because the industry buy-in, the commitment, the the amount of time that so many stakeholders have given to the process so far and how it's been received tells me that we're on the right track. The support, the engagement, the the new ideas, the innovative thinking um, has been very exciting and uh, and I'm very thankful. I want to come back uh, on something a bit earlier. You mentioned rural infrastructure. This is not something we normally hear when we talk about human resources. You know, I, I will say that uh, when we first kind of got together, um, a few people, you know, well, a few people wondered why we were looking at things like infrastructure and that type of thing. And when we get into it, it's like, well, this is how all the pieces fit together. When you describe it, then they say, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. Like we have to have all these pieces. Okay. Can you drill down a little bit more on that, uh, on, on infrastructure? What does it really mean? Well, it's, that's a pretty big word. <laughs> I, you know, I'll, I'll uh, definitely say that. Um, and it can mean a number of things. It can mean certainly from a um, food and beverage manufacturing side of things that the infrastructure is in place, the, the plants are in place and all that type of thing from, uh, you know, a movement of goods and, um, and making sure that the supply chain is in place so that the that uh, infrastructure is in place, rail, road transportation, and all that kind of thing. Um, but from a workforce point of view and a rural uh, Canada point of view, it's the making sure there's things like access to housing, access to services, schools for kids, for families that are living in those areas, um, access to daycare so that the workforce is able, you know, the adults can get to work and not have to worry about their kids, and, uh, transportation and things like that. So it is a, it's a big word and a lot is included in it, um, but it is bringing it into the conversation where, um, maybe it hasn't been in the past. You know, you focus on your workforce, you're thinking people, but what do those people need to be happy and to want to, you know, stay in an area and uh, feel like they're part of the community and to work uh, in that area as well? It's really a comprehensive approach. Have you had any pushback? Like, you know, people saying this is too complex? Yeah, absolutely. I know... Um, I know what you're saying. And and certainly when we started talking about these different things, um, we did have some people say like, what does that have to do with my labor shortage? I just need people. Um, and then you start to talk about the things that ensure that you, when you track someone that they're going to want to stay there and, you know, all of these different things and, and taking, identifying some of the barriers to getting to work and staying at work and, and taking some worries away from from workers that you know they know that some of their needs are met with either within the job or you know within the community they live in and uh you start to talk about things like that and people are like yeah yeah you're right because you know i had hired somebody and they couldn't come because we had there was no daycare available or we hired someone and they were really keen to to move to our community but then when they started looking at housing there was nothing available um so you know it those are direct, tangible uh, things that employers are 
experiencing. And uh, when you talk a little bit about that and give some examples, they're like, yeah, okay. Now I get why we need to look at this, uh, at all the different pieces and not just one. I know what's happening now in some of the provinces are taking the model and using that model and drilling down their conversations um, using the same framework. And that's great because then we're all talking kind of the same language and kind of all moving together. And Kirk, this is the perfect segue to our next interview. Because Stephanie Harris is most definitely using the same language in our immigration pilot program. Yeah, absolutely. Stephanie is the Economic Development Officer for the town of Altona and Municipality of Rhineland in southern Manitoba. And the pilot program for which she is the project lead is funded by Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada. And some of the results of this innovative pilot are very interesting. We're seeing them arrive in the community. We're able to welcome them um, and then watch them getting integrated. I think that's the most exciting part, seeing them up at the grocery stores, you know, uptown at the grocery stores, um, seeing them at sporting events, at community events, watching their children participating in school concerts or plays, um, and just watching and seeing them make uh, Altona their home is, I think, probably the most exciting thing. Stephanie, can you give us a quick overview of your region and its labor needs? Sure. So our population is just over 10,000 residents, and we're located in southern Manitoba near the United States border. Our region has over 300 businesses and five major industry sectors that employs over half of the region's labor force, and that includes agriculture, manufacturing, construction, healthcare, and retail. Uh, our region's unemployment rate is 3.7%, which is significantly low, and 20% of our workforce is over the age of 55. Um, therefore, the federal government, when they announced the Rural and Northern Immigration Pilot Program in the spring of 2019, uh, the decision to submit an application was apparent. Uh, the only way that we were going to be able to address our labor market shortage was through immigration. Can you explain to us the immigration pilot program in a nutshell? Sure. So the Rural and Northern Immigration Pilot, it is a community-driven program, and it creates a path to permanent residence for foreign workers who want to live in our community. It is designed to support economic development within our community and strengthen our local businesses' capacity to develop and retain a workforce. Uh, so it also uh, tests a unique and innovative approach to immigrant selection through community-based criteria, and it improves the retention of immigrants by fostering a welcoming environment. And to go back a little bit, what were the program's goals to start with? I mean, ultimately, the goal was to address our labor market shortages. Uh, we were very aggressive in the beginning by wanting and advocating for 100 community recommendations right off the start. Uh, very quickly, we learned how difficult the immigration process can be, and uh, it's not quite that easy to, to do. Um, but ultimately, the goal of the program itself uh, was to get rural communities the support that they needed 
to address those labor market shortages. So um, immigrants do have a tendency to gravitate towards larger cities within Canada. Uh, so this program gave a small community like ours the exposure to showcase what we have to offer to newcomers. I mean, we see with a lot of newcomers, they maybe originally landed in Toronto, but then they moved to Winnipeg because of the cost of living. And now they're finding career opportunities in Altona. That is amazing. How many people have you been able to match to jobs? And how many new citizens has that added to your region? So at this time, we have had over 80 job offers that have been provided. I think we're at approximately 84 to be exact. Um, that does create a potential population increase of over 250 people. So we're not just thinking about the primary applicants, we're thinking about their dependents as well. So their spouses and their children. I also hear that your program is attracting more than just new immigrants and new employees. So the, the program has certainly put our small community on the map. Uh, so we have certainly seen a significant uptake of interest from a wide variety of sectors uh, looking at our region um, to set up their business or even the opportunity to purchase existing businesses. So, Stephanie, you know, there are some large food processing companies across Canada that have similar programs for recruiting and landing new immigrants into their communities. But, you know, it makes sense that your program is being driven at the municipal level uh, because, you know, bringing one worker here actually means bringing spouses and children. And there's, um, you know, there's other implications that only a community can address. Yeah, I think with respect to the program being run by an employer, um, this this pilot program allows us to ensure that the right employers are participating and that they're taking into consideration retention you know, diversity training is taking place and that it's not just about filling a job. Um, not all employers look at immigration the same. So in order for us to have the highest possible rate of success, uh, we mentor participating businesses so that they take a more wholesome approach to it. Um, for example, we have had businesses who have hired through the immigration pilot program that have even been able to connect their employees' spouses with work within the community. So this is very much a community effort and, and not a silo. Speaking of silos, let's talk about the ag sector in your region. Yeah, so we do have some major egg and food sectors. Uh, some of them are small to medium size. Others are significantly larger. Um, we have also seen a significant amount of expansion taking place with some of our, our local egg businesses, such as uh, Elmer's Manufacturing. I'm not sure, but they recently, uh, if you've seen this, but they recently won the Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters Export Award. Uh, for expanding into new markets and sustaining export sales. And so they've undergone, I believe it's two new building expansions within the last two years. Uh, Buffalo Creek Mills as well have outgrown their current location and are looking to expand. Uh, so we are seeing a significant growth taking place within our egg industry here. And the only way we're gonna be able to support that growth uh, is, is through immigration. 
We have multiple uh, egg sector businesses that are trying to fill labor market shortages. In some cases, you know, they're looking for positions such as welders, um, mill operators, but then we also have more difficult positions to fill like heavy duty diesel mechanics and, and those types of things. So um, I think when they're coming to us, to look at utilizing the program. Uh, they're also looking at, you know, can I target certain areas? You know, Elmer's Manufacturing, they hired, you know, software developers through the program, CNC machinists. You know, we're talking about highly skilled positions that these businesses require and that type of skilled labor uh, isn't available in this region and, and sometimes very hard to attract from throughout Canada. Can we talk a little bit about that community space specific approach and why it's so important to the success of the program? Yeah, so the community-specific criteria, it helps us to be able to assess the eligibility of candidates who apply to uh, for community recommendation, uh, taking into consideration priority factors to ensure that we are focusing on our community's greatest economic opportunities and best chances for candidate retention. So it's very important to us as a community that individuals know when they are moving from overseas to Altona, what Altona looks like. You know, they may anticipate that we have public transportation just like their major city does, and we do not. Or we might have post-secondary institution for their children to be able to go to, but we do not. So, you know, they really need to understand um, what they're moving to, you know, and, and we hear very much the positives of, you know, we enjoy the peace and quiet. We enjoy the short commutes to work. Um, you know, we enjoy that everybody knows each other. So there's a lot of great positives about moving to a smaller rural community, like I mentioned before, which now we're able to highlight, which we're not able to highlight previously. Okay, all right. I want to move there now. Me too. Come to Altona. You're welcome. Uh, You're more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and these new members to your community, where are they coming from? Honestly, all over the world. We have applicants that have come from over 13 different countries. So it's really creating a beautiful multicultural uh, community for us. Uh, we very often hear about how People love that their kids can drive their bicycles down the street and they don't have to worry about it. Or they've come from high crime areas and they don't even lock their doors now when they leave their house. We have access to all amenities that you would require. We have great schools. We've got a hospital. We've got your grocery stores, retail. Um, we have a very welcoming, a very kind community. Um we have a, a booming community too with multiple industries, the egg sector and additional sectors. We're not just uh, a one based community where if that industry was to fall apart, our community would as well. We have multiple different industries. We actually, uh, the town of Altona is currently in the process of expanding their second industrial park and the infrastructure is in the process of being put together there. I've, I'm originally from here myself. I did move away and I moved back. So. <laughs> What is the percentage of ag employers in your program? And do they have specific concerns that are different than other industries? Yes. So the egg industry has actually provided almost half of the job offers that have gone out through the program. Uh, we are uh, egg is a major industry within our area, whether that's you know manufacturing or food processing. Um, so when they come to us with specific 
employer or I guess employment concerns or labor market shortages. It's really about the positions they're looking for to um, to grow their business, to grow their company, to try to be able to keep up with the amount of growth that they're seeing taking place. And so it's also really great to see them think forward into the future about the positions that they're going to need to be filling as they're growing. That is super interesting. And I like the last point you made about thinking about the future. Because the process to bring people in Canada takes a bit of time and to be able to reflect on that and to look at the new skills that they need, it's a bit thought provoking. Yeah. And, um, you know, Stephanie, when we first talked on the phone, you mentioned the community hug approach. Can you describe that for us a bit? Yeah, so the community hug is very important when it comes to welcoming and settling um, our rural and northern immigration pilot candidates and their families into our community. So once a newcomer arrives, uh, they're connected to both a workplace mentor and a community mentor. So the workplace mentor ensures that the employers are actively engaged in successfully settling the candidate into the workplace and the community. And the community mentor connects the candidate and their family to an established member of the community. But ultimately, it's about creating a friendship. It's about creating a bond with them. That's why we try to partner them based on similar age, hobbies, and interests. So there's been times where I'll see the community mentor out with the applicant and they'll be biking together because that's a similar interest that the two of them share. Or it might be a young family who have children and, and, and same with a newcomer family. And so they're getting together and they're sharing dinner. They're sharing, you know, they're sharing meals. Um, it's really about helping them become part of the community, uh, get to know other people within the community. That's why when we're looking for community mentors, we're looking for individuals who are already integrated into the community. However, with that said, we are also seeing people who have come to Canada through this program who want to give back. And so they also want to join the community mentorship program. I also heard that your municipal council members are even taking time out of their busy schedules to act as mentors, to teach English to newcomers. Yeah, absolutely. We even had our former mayor that volunteered as one of our community mentors. I see that you've created a fair amount of momentum. What do you see going forward? We want to see this program being made permanent. Um, it's crucial to our community. You know, we have built a program that works. We're seeing momentum, not only in applicants being interested in moving to our community, but we're also seeing momentum in new businesses that will be coming. And we're talking about some major industry uh, who will require immigration to fill the positions that are required for that business to be successful. So I do continue to advocate to IRCC the importance of this program to our community. I like that you're making the connection between that broader government policy and program stuff with the very human, very local. You know, I can't help but think there's got to be some memorable situations that you witness Sure. So we did have a situation. This isn't the first time it's happened. This has happened a couple of times. But when, when our newcomers do receive their permanent resident status, they are so overwhelmed with happiness and emotion uh, that they do come to our office to thank us for, for our assistance. And they're crying and we're hugging. And it's a, a, it's 
it's a fantastic moment. We're both crying. <laughs> you know, it's 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 really exciting to see. And um... Marie France, this is what I love about rural communities. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just real. That's all. It's just real. I real love it. human being, authentic. And here we're going to give the last word to Jennifer on this topic. I'm pretty passionate about the industry. So, uh, you know, the industry just has so much to offer. It's uh, it's extremely innovative. Uh, there's a huge amount of uh, technology um, and really being part of the industry, you're part of uh, producing food for Canada. And, um, you know, that in itself is a great reason to be part of it. Um, but there's so many others, uh, other reasons. Um, great career opportunities, you know, part of the climate uh, solution, um, part of uh, feeding Canada and uh, part of, you know, seeing some pretty cool technology uh, come into place as well. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode interesting, subscribe and dive into our past episodes too. But until then, you know what to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try something new. <laughs>